0: Well, good morning. We're glad you're with us here at Broadway 1109. We want to invite you to stand and sing with us as we begin our time of worship together. This morning,
1: nothing can separate even if I ran away. Cause your love never fails. I know I still make mistakes. You have new mercies for me every day, but your love never fails. Through the ages, your love never changes. And maybe faint in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that you love me. Your love never fails The wind is strong and the water's deep I'm not alone here in these open seas Cause your love never fails is far too wide I never thought I'd reach the other side Your love never fails Sing it out You stay You stay the same through the ages Your love never changes There may be pain in the night but joy comes in Morning, and when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that You love me. You're the heaven.
0: this promise this morning. Let's sing it together. You
1: make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. You All things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. So you stay. you you say the same through the the
0: And we're so glad you're here. You can be seated for just a moment. We want to welcome you to Broadway 1109. We are thankful that you're here and honored that you have spent an hour out of your week with us here at Broadway. Uh, we want to encourage you if you're new with us, maybe you're a guest here your first time or your first time in a while. Uh, we hope you got a bulletin on your way in. There's a little perforated tab on the edge of that bulletin. We hope that you'll fill that out, tear it off, and then you can drop it in the offering plate here in just a few minutes, or if you miss that, that's okay. We have a couple black boxes located at our welcome desk in the back of our sanctuary. You can drop that in there. On your way out this morning and that can be your contribution to us this morning. Uh, we're not going to sell your information or anything like that or use it in any way that you wouldn't want us to. That's just our way of getting to know you a little bit better so that we can best minister to you and to your family and those that are closest to you. So we would encourage you to fill that out and, uh, and tear that and turn that in for us. Uh, we hope you're paying attention to the screens as they roll as you come in. Uh, and the bulletin that you, uh, again, hopefully got as you came in this morning so that you can uh, stay up to date on all that's going on here at Broadway. We are excited about some of the things that God is doing in the coming days uh, here at our church, and we want to encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning, and we'll continue in our service. Gracious Father, we thank you that this morning you allowed us to wake up. God, we thank you that uh, your breath fills our lungs, that, God, we can stand in this place and praise you and lift your name on high lord we thank you for the time that you have given us together this morning to worship you god we pray that you were exalted uh, that your name is praised and that you are the only one who is is lifted high this morning god because you're the only one who is worthy of it lord now as we move forward we pray that you're honored we pray that you are glorified in our praises and our singing uh, lord and that you would speak to each one of us in return God, we love you. We thank you most of all for Jesus, for his death that we deserved and the salvation that we have through him and his resurrection. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' powerful name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we continue to sing together this morning. We want to encourage you to sing with us.
1: My name
0: to our time of offering. Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for the worship that uh, has already taken place, Lord, and, and, and what's to come in our service this morning. Uh, God, as we give back a portion of, of what you have given to us, uh, God, I pray that you would take our tithes and our offerings, that you would use them, uh, that you would bless the gift and the giver to further your kingdom and your mission through our church here at Broadway. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You can stay seated as we continue to sing. If we're just
1: He bowed and drenched in tears, they laid him down. And Joseph stood, the entrance sealed by heavy stone. Messiah stood, and all
0: alone. Won't you stand and join us as we sing together?
1: Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God, oh, praise His name, forevermore, for endless days, we will sing Your praise, O oh, Lord. Son of heaven rose again, O trampled dead, where is your seat? The angels roar.
0: to the day that we can sing your praise for all of eternity lord we love you we thank you for jesus who makes all of this possible it's in his precious name amen you can be seated
2: my name is kim i am originally from cambodia cambodia is the one of a very very poor countries people living less than a dollar per day my family live in a small village in Province, and we don't have enough food to eat so I had to go to the farm to help my parents digging the ground so it's very very difficult one day I just walked past by the, by the pastel house back from school so um, the pastor just gave me the invitation to join the Christmas program and they tell me they have something for us and then they say also, they have food, so I would love to come because of food. So, when I came to the Christmas celebration, they were singing, they were worshipping, they were praying, they were talking about God and Jesus. After the end of service, they hand us a box and we open it. They have a jump rope. I also received a book and also some color pen. I saw this, the booklet called The Greater Gift. So I saw that it was so interesting because they have a story in there and they have the color, they have peach. I read it over and over and in that booklet will tell about God, Jesus Christ and God will die on the cross for us. And I not just read it to myself, I also read it to my brother. He want me to read to him every evening. After I received a shoebox, I keep asking myself where the box come from, who packed a shoebox, why they gave it to me. And I'm just a poor kid. So I went back to church, I asked the pastor where the shoebox come from and what is about Jesus Christ, what is God. And he said, if you want to know more, you can read the Bible. So he gave me the Bible to read. So I came to church about two or three months, come to church regularly. I received a good thing too, they tell me to go to a youth camp. So when I went to youth camp, I was just how so amazed. They were worshiping, they pray in the early morning, and I would like get goosebumps all the time when I would go to the big uh, worship. So I was like crying. So then at the end of the service, Pastor with preachings about God, and he asking who want to give their life to God. I just go in front there and near my knee, and I say, God, I give my life to you. I give my life to you. Sometime when I at home, sitting there with my kids, with my husband, I was asking myself, if would not that Shuba. I will not be here just every single day. Thank God for all his blessing.
3: I do hope you have your shoe box, And remember, it's due back in two weeks. It's going to be on November 17th is when our shoe boxes are due back with that. Uh, I'm going to lead us in a special time of prayer for um, tomorrow and on Tuesday. You know, in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, the Bible tells us that we should be praying for leaders who are over us, our presidential leaders, the elected leaders. So we as Bible-believing Christians, we should be constantly lifting up to the Lord those that um, have the opportunity to set government policies for us. But um, some of the things going on here in our city, it's a kind of ground zero the next couple of days. Our uh, president, President Trump, is coming to town tomorrow night, as you know, uh, Rupp Arena. So that, I think, is going to shut down everything uh, tomorrow night. In fact, even in the school, after school activities at our house have, have been canceled at the school because, I guess, traffic's going to be so bad. If you want to go to that, I actually heard, read the newspaper, you have to camp out tonight. So tonight, you could go pitch your tent there on High Street and Broadway and see if you could get in. Anybody going to pitch their tent tonight? All right, nobody pitched their 10th in early service either for that. So it's very uh, 28-degree weather uh, camping out. So we do want to pray for our president. Also, we have election day, a gubernatorial election, on Tuesday. So you certainly need to vote. Also, whenever you go to vote, make sure you bring your children and your grandchildren with you. That's important that you teach younger generations the importance of their civic duty and one of their freedoms in casting their ballot. So uh, make sure you vote Tuesday And we want to have a special time of prayer for our president uh, now. So let's go ahead and bow our heads, and we'll pray for Tuesday's election and for President Trump. God, we come to you this morning here at church. Lord, we do know these next couple of days will be very um, busy here in the Commonwealth. I especially pray for Tuesday's election that Lord that the Christians and the folks here will get out and vote, and that we show uh, folks the importance of casting our ballot and taking uh, being involved in our government and uh, living in a free country, is going to the polls. Lord, I also pray for President Trump as he's coming in town tomorrow night. A big event, probably lots of folks will be here. It shuts down the city. Lord, I just pray that it's a, um, a time where folks will be coming to and, uh, and seeing the president is always exciting. Lord, I just pray for the safety. Pray our, our city and state are represented well. And Lord, we just pray that you just uh, guide our president as he probably, probably has the hardest job in the world uh, one of the most difficult things to do is constantly um, uh, serve and just uh, deal with all sorts of stuff from ev- literally every single angle. And I just we lift up the tr- uh, President Trump and the Trump family, and we pray for the next couple of days here in Lexington. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter thirteen. Also. If you have your bulletin insert, you want to pull that out. Pull out your bulletin insert here. And we're going through a sermon series. This is a third of four parts called Babylon. And we're going to be here. And if you've been following along, you know that Babylon started right there in Genesis chapter 10. And it's mentioned over 200 times in the Bible. Babylon, every time we see Babylon in the scriptures, it usually almost always represents something bad. There's a shortfall. It represents really the city of man compared to the city of God. And we're going to see here in the end. We know the Bible comes to an end in the book of Revelation. In the last few years here in this world is what we call the tribulation. And some interesting things begin to happen. And the Bible also talks about something called a great apostasy, which is a turning away of the faith. And we're going to see here in the Bible about what it talks about when it references uh, this, this place of Babylon. Now, we're about to read about something interesting here called this, this Scarlet Woman. And when you're reading along in the book of Revelation, you're, you're thinking, what is this? What is going on here? Now, this church was founded in 1952. Right down the street where Zaxby's is at. It used to be a house. Found in the basement of a house with 25 people there. Every time you go down Broadway here and you eat exactly you're, you're on ground zero for a Broadway Baptist actually started with that. What happens is, in 1952, this passage we're about to read, it's reading about this scarlet woman. Probably the pastor or whoever it was in 1952, 67 years ago, they would probably interpret this passage of the scarlet woman as the Roman Catholic Church. And they would tell you that this woman, who's riding a beast, and we're going to be looking at who this beast is, this represents the church there in Rome. And I, I don't know if I really agree with that interpretation. Uh, I don't think most folks would, Bible scholars. I think when we see this woman, I'm telling you all this now, because when we read this, you all need to kind of get some background of what, what's going on here. This woman represents... The culture and the atmosphere of the day. Meaning, when you see about this woman we're about to read about, she supports the beast. We're going to find out who the beast is in a little bit. We're going to look in our Bibles at Revelation 13. But this woman is pointing people to the beast. Guys, that's a secular culture. That's everywhere you go in our city. Everywhere you go in our country. And it just seems like, gosh... Does anybody here live by Scripture? Does anybody here worship the Lord? It's a a culture, and it's an entertainment. It's the Internet, it's work, it's school, and it's just drifting away from the Lord. And the woman we're going to read about, her name is Babylon, and it creates this culture that's secular. It's an anti-God culture. Because here's why I don't believe that. If if the Antichrist came to power right now, today, and the Roman Catholic Church started supporting him, and started telling everybody in the world, and the Pope started saying this, most of the folks in the world don't even care what the Roman Catholic Church says. There would just be this attitude as, oh yeah, whatever. Who cares? Now, they care what Hollywood says. But... A lot of folks, secular people, do not care what Catholics and Protestants think. They're living their life for them. They're living their life to please themselves. They aren't thinking about God. They're living according to how the woman we're about to read about wants us to live. So let's read here in our Bibles. Let's see what happens. If you have that little handout, this is a good description. Main point, when we read the word Babylon... Babylon has to be viewed and he should be viewed as a political, cultural, religious, economic, entertainment, and in commercial terms. It's representative of the anti-God age we live in. And That's important because what it does, if you're just drifting along in life, you will find yourself thinking like a Babylonian and not thinking like a born-again believer who's been saved by Jesus. Babylon is the rise of man. It started with the Tower of Babel, where the people there said, I wanted to make my name great. We want to be like this. And God is coming along saying, No, that is not how my people live. So let's follow along here in our Bible. Revelation 17, verse 1. Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls, you say, what is a seven bowl? In the book of Revelation, we're studying this on Wednesday nights at 6.30. Revelation has three series of judgments. The first series is what we call, uh, in, in each judgment, has seven events that occur. So it's a total of 21 judgments throughout the book of Revelation. The first series is called the seals. And these seals are broke open, and these bad things start happening. After that come the trumpets, so on Wednesday night we're on trumpet number five. That's when demonic things start occurring, uh, increase in demonic activity here in um, uh, here in the here in the world. And then the, towards the end of the Book of Revelation these bowls, it's a bowl is poured out, and we're at this this here. What we're about to read is the seventh bowl. So it's really the very end here. We're coming to the end, and this this woman's going to appear. Verse 1, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me. Come, I will show you the judgment of the notorious prostitute who is seated on many waters. The many waters here, this is all over the earth. That's what that means. The kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with her. And those who live on the earth became drunk on the wine of her sexual immorality. What that means is they believed the lie that she's telling She's pointing people to the beast. And we're about to see. We're going to turn our Bibles and see who the beast is. It goes on to say here. Then he carried me away. Uh, He means the angel who's writing this John. Where he's having a vision. He's being carried away in the spirit to the wilderness. And in the wilderness, always in the Bible, in the wilderness, things start to happen. I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. That was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. We're going to see that here in a minute. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet adorned with gold jewels and pearls. She had a golden cup in her hand filled with everything detestable and with the impurities of her prostitution. That means this woman, she was attractive, she was wealthy, she was someone you would look at and go, wow, they really have it together. That's an attractive, nice lady. She didn't, uh, she didn't look bad at all. Yet, yeah, but what she did is what she taught and pointed people to, she pointed people to sin. Her, her goal was to pull people away from the Lord. And here's her name in verse 5. It says, on her forehead was written a name, a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the detestable things of the earth. Then I saw the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. So that meant she would go after believers. Her, her, her target wasn't lost people. She was going after you and I. Meaning this is the culture of the air. It's pointing and leading people away from the Lord. And when I saw her, this is John speaking, I was greatly astonished. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. He thought, Wow, this woman is riding this beast. And what what is she? What, what, what is she doing? Do you know I was watching football yesterday and one of the commercials I was watching was about the military. They had a really good commercial, our armed forces, and it talks about there how they were saying is a picture of a young man, a, a, a 17, 18 year old boy, and his mother was talking to him. And he, had his, he was dreaming about being an airplane mechanic or an air, airplane pilot. And he told his mother, he says, Mom, I wrote it down what, what he said. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. Meaning, I want my life to have a great influence. I want incredible things to start to happen with me. And that's what we're going to see here. During the times of the revelation and the tribulation here at the end, we want our lives to count for something bigger than ourselves. And who that person is, that's what it means to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus. When you follow Christ, and you decide you're going to live for the Lord, you're committing to living and being a part of something greater than yourself. So who is this woman riding on a scarlet beast? You have your Bible. Flip back to Revelation 13. Revelation 13, verses 1 through 3. Now, we believe, and we know the Bible teaches about A trinity, a holy trinity, where we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That is God. All three parts of the trinity are fully God. And God has chosen to reveal Himself to us today in the three parts. And much of the Old Testament was God the Father. You get to the New Testament. That's God the Son, obviously Jesus Christ. And then here we are in the church age today, and when you and I pray and we're led, who are we led by? God, the Holy Spirit. So when you're led to respond to the Lord, you're leading and responding to the Holy Spirit's prompting in your life. Well, we know during this end times, you know, we have to remember the Bible constantly warns us about the danger of the devil. In fact, I have a, I have a picture here. Y'all, Take a look at this picture. Here, zoom, zoom out a little bit. I want to see. Don't, now, don't look at me. Zoom out. Can you all zoom out? Okay. Yesterday, I went trick-or-treating. Don't look at me. You look at that fellow next to me. And I wanted to take a picture of the devil. And I, we were going around. The kids were scared of this little house here. And I thought, you know, I need to uh, get a picture of this guy. I mean, his costume was pretty impressive. Um, and that there is the devil. Not me, but the guy next next to me there. And um, what it is, is when you and I think of the devil, when we think of Satan, is that what we think of? Do you think of the grim reaper and the scepter and this evil, ugly-looking person? You know, that is certainly what the media has painted as the devil or Satan. But when we read our Bible... That fellow there doesn't lead people into sin. That little, that little guy doesn't destroy marriages and families. That, that, that fellow there, he doesn't cause people to disobey the Lord. The devil, we have to remember, is a fallen angel. He was, in fact, we know from Isaiah 14, his heart swelled up with pride. He was someone that was actually considered the most beautiful of all angels. In fact, this woman we just read here in Revelation 17, she was very attractive. She was sharp and smooth. In the time of the end times in the book of Revelation, when the Antichrist comes to power, he's not going to look like that. He's not going to have a big tattoo on his forehead saying 666. This guy's going to be sharp. He's going to be deceptive. He's going to deceive the masses. Of course he would never look like that. He's going to be somebody, think, that's somebody I can get behind. I need to listen to this fellow. The devil, his skill is lying. He is deceptive. Everything he does is a falsehood of the Lord. And what we need to see here in the Bible, when you get to Revelation 13, we're introduced to something called the dragon. This goes back to what we call the false trinity. We have the holy trinity of the Lord. The dragon in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, represents the devil. Then we're going to see this beast out of the sea. Now, we say it comes out of the sea. That means it's all over the earth. That's what. In. The dragon, Satan, is opposed to God in the, in the trinity. Then we see this Antichrist, who would be the second part of the evil Trinity, who opposes Jesus. And then we see later on in Revelation 13, if you read along, but don't don't read yet. If you read along, you see this something known as the false prophet. And that opposes the Holy Spirit. And then we see all the way to the end of the book of Revelation, chapter 17, about this woman who's dressed in red, who rides the beast. And that's her name is Babylon. That's the secular culture all around us. Remember, what is Babylon? Babylon is the city of man. The city of man says, I can build it. We're going to make a name great for ourselves. Babylon is a perfect time for the Antichrist to come to power. Babylon is when you go to school and when you go to work, and when you get involved in government or wherever you're at, and all it is is secular, secular, secular. The Lord is nowhere to be found. In fact, He's been removed. He's offensive. He won't find Scripture in Babylon. We live in Babylon. The woman represents, her name is Babylon. And she supports the beast. So let's read about this beast here. Because this is who the woman pushes. Verse Revelation 13, 1. And I saw a beast, this is John speaking, coming up out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads. y'all just remember that? That's who she rode on back in Revelation 17. So this woman's on top of this. On its horns were ten crowns, and on its heads were blasphemous names. Now a lot of Bible interpretations would say these horns... And these crowns would represent nations, maybe like the European Union or maybe some future unified government. We don't know. Bible doesn't tell us what these horns and crowns are or these kingdoms that have bought into the bought into the beast. But what we see here is the beast has support. All right. Verse two, (coughs) the beast I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear, and its mouth was like a lion. The dragon, who's the dragon? That's Satan. Gave the beast his power, his throne, and great authority. Meaning, God didn't empower this Antichrist. I want you all to know, these, these uh, signs here, back in verse 2, these signs, a leopard, a bear, a lion's mouth, that means this guy's powerful. He's not a weakling. Keep going here, verse 3. It says, now this is interesting. One of its heads appeared to be fatally wounded. But its fatal wound was healed. And look at this. The whole earth was amazed and followed the beast. That means all of a sudden this beast, it died. It got a fatal wound, but miraculously it's a false resurrection. Remember, what does the Antichrist do? He presents a falsehood of Jesus. So Jesus was resurrected three days from the grave. Well, the beast is going to do the same. He's going to, everybody's going to think he's dead or he is dead. He comes back. He's miraculously alive. But remember, he gets his power from the dragon. And people are amazed. The whole earth is just amazed at this wonder. Like that man died. He took a bullet and he's still alive. Let me illustrate what it's going to be like. If you if you love history, one of the inter- one of our tr- our presidents that's interesting to study back our 26th president was Theodore Roosevelt, known by as Teddy Roosevelt, and uh, he was an interesting fellow. Uh, he was something else. But um, if you go Mount Rushmore, you can see he he made the cut up there. He's one of his faces. He's up there. But Teddy Roosevelt he was a Republican and he ran for a couple of terms and then. He got mad at the Republican Party and wasn't president. Then he created his own party. It was called the, um, the Progressive Party. Oh, I forgot the name. But anyway, he, uh, he, he had this uh, the Bull Moose Party. That was the name of it. So he was running for office in 1912. And he was on his way to a campaign speech. He was trying to be the first one to get a third term as president. And he was in Milwaukee. And he was about to make a speech. And this man walks up with a revolver. From seven feet away, shot him in the chest. Now, if you and I get shot, would you go to the hospital? (laughs) Would you call 911? Probably other people would call 911 for you. But not Teddy Roosevelt. This guy was a hunter. He was a true outdoorsman and really rugged. And... From his hunting, he would go to Africa, he'd go to Brazil, he would do interesting hunting expeditions. He knew from his hunting that if you're not coughing up blood, if the animal's not coughing up blood, it could probably make it. don't I would not practice this in real life so if you get shot. don't start coughing and see if blood that means the blood is not coming your lungs. so I guess you have you can buy some more time. so he after he gets shot he He's realizing, well, um, it's just in my chest. The bullet, and a bullet is lodged in his chest. And he's not coughing out blood. So what, does he, what do you do when you get shot? He goes up on the stage. This is a true story. You all can Wikipedia this. The man makes a 90-minute speech. He gives a campaign speech with a bullet inside of him. And he's bleeding. His white shirt's like getting blood. And he's even telling the crowd. He's showing to everybody, look how strong and great I am. I can get shot and still make that speech. That's the type of event that's going to occur here with the Antichrist. A public event where this man gets shot or is in some type of fatal accident and miraculously, wow, he's still making it. He's still trucking along. And that's the picture we see here with the Antichrist. He is someone... Here, I have it up on the screen. What is the what is the beast who's the Antichrist and the woman won't? Here's what they want from us. They want to destroy you and I. Everything is a lie. Do you know the devil doesn't go after lost people? Do you know he's who he's after? He's after us. The woman, the culture, it wants to lure you away. Listen, if Satan can't get you to sin... By yourself, you know what he's going to do? He's going to create a secular atmosphere all around you that will lure you just by you'll drift away from the Lord. And next thing you know, you'll wake up and it'll be 2021 and some of you won't even be going to church anymore. And you'll be looking around thinking, what happened? How did I drift and fall so far? This is what the woman does. She pulls people away at college, in high school, at work, and you just drift. You're just drifting away. You just, it's not a conscious decision. This is what Babylon, it's, you're just going down a road, and it's away from the Lord. This is why daily we have to choose, you have to decide, I today am going to live for Jesus. I'm not going to buy the lie. Number two. He, meaning the Antichrist, and she, meaning the woman or Babylonian culture, are very subtle. They don't look like this right here. The subtleness comes when you realize you don't even have time for God. There's other priorities. You don't have time to read your Bible or to have a prayer life because you feel there's more important things to do. They're in the air. Meaning everywhere you go. Listen, you cannot shelter your life away from sin. Part of being a follower of Jesus. Remember, even Jesus encountered Satan. He was tempted three times. The devil went after him. And Listen, if they're going after Jesus, who's not going to sin, they'll certainly come after us. Fallen, sinful people. And we have to remember daily, we live a life, if we're not careful, we will just be pulled and sucked away from Jesus Christ. It's in the air, everywhere you go. And thirdly, we see here, he and she, this the beast and the woman, are vicious. Do you know who their enemies are? It's us. They're coming after us. Christ wants to, young person, Christ wants. Wants to destroy your life with drugs. Or sex. Or being rebellious to your parents. Or debt. Any possible way. Or bitterness. Or anger. Or hatred. Or divisiveness. Any way. Or pornography. Any way. They can come into your life. And just shift you away from the Lord. Do you know. We have to realize when we read the book of Revelation, we read about the Babylonian spirit all around us. We're constantly reminded that we are in battle. And as Christians, it's easy for us to say, well, you know what? Pastor, I love the book of Revelation, but I'm going to be raptured away and I won't be there. This does not apply to me, so I can strike it off my list. Be careful thinking that way. Do you want to know what Revelation 1-1 tells us? Do you know the book is addressed to who? The church. The book isn't for lost people. God didn't give this revelation for the unsaved. He gave it to the saved. In fact, look here. Turn one page over in your Bible. You should be going back to Revelation 17. Now flip over and look at chapter 18. Look at this Bible verse here. Because the next chapter, because these next couple chapters, they're talking about this woman. And look what Revelation 18.4 says. Then I, John, heard another voice from heaven. Look at this. Come out of her, my people. Who, who's my people? My people's us. Let's save people. Come out of her, Mean Don't buy it. Don't fall for this stuff. Don't get in the Babylonian spirit so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. We are called to come out of Babylon. We live in Lexington. We live in the commonwealth here in Kentucky. But just because we might live in an immoral city, an immoral state, doesn't mean that's how we're to live. We are called to come out of this. Christ calls us to a different lifestyle. To a different way to act. To a different way to think. And he's saying, you're my people. She doesn't own you. Do you know if you read on back, you don't need to flip there, but if you read on in Revelation chapter 13, it book, the chapter actually ends. Do you know what the woman and the beast, as well as the False prophet will be forcing people to do. Think how convenient it would be. Women, why do you want to carry a purse? If you got a little chip in your hand, you would never again need to carry a purse. You just walk right up and scan your hand. Or think about it, guys. Does anybody you ever feel like someone wants to steal your wallet? Do you not want to carry a wallet? If you had, if you had a little microchip in your hand, have all your credit cards, your driver's license, everything you would need to know. Is right there in the chip. You'll be able to buy and sell. And it will make your life very convenient. Do you know. Some of y'all mock and laugh at that. There is coming a time. You will turn on your TV. And see a commercial. For that very same thing. Because what's going to happen is. This is what will occur during Revelation 13. And on that mark, if you accept it, you're pledging an allegiance to the beast. And you're saying, I'm not going to follow Christ. I'm going to follow this new way of commerce. And this new way of buying and trading. And this new way of finding my identity as a person. It's not in the Lord anymore. It's now in the beast. And the Bible's telling us We are to come out of this. We should never take a mark in our right hand or our forehead. Many, I remember growing up, people were saying, oh, it's going to be a tattoo. It's not going to be a tattoo. I remember my youth pastor talking about this. It's going to be a small microchip, and it's going to make your life easy. You say, well, who's going to get in their head? You're going to put your, your hairline right there. If you still have a hairline, you'll never see it. And you just walk right through, and the scanner will identify you. And when you go down this road, you're following the Babylonian spirit that is just leading people away from the Lord. And Christ is speaking to you and I this morning. This isn't for you. You aren't called to follow the mother of prostitutes. You aren't called to follow this lady who leads you into detestable things. Part of being a believer, part of being a Christ follower, means there is a holiness that's with the Lord. You were called and set apart for Jesus. The spirit of Babylon supports the beast. Our culture is Babylon. It's all around us. You can't get away from it. We live in Babylon. But while we're there, we make a stand for Jesus. Are you ready to stand for Jesus? No matter how bad it gets no matter what our culture does, no matter what road the drift is leading you to, Christ is calling you and I, as believers on our campus, at school, at work, sometimes even at church, to say, I will raise my hand for the Lord. I am a follower of Jesus no matter what else happens in my city or my state or country or the world. He is who owns me. That's who I answer to. This morning you can give your life to Christ. You don't want the mark of the beast. You want the mark of Jesus. That's what it means to be saved. When you're saved, literally, the Holy Spirit comes inside your life and seals you. That's what it means to follow the Lord. This morning, I want to invite you to follow Jesus. I want to invite you to say, yes, I will receive the Holy Spirit inside my life. God, I pray for the folks this morning. I thank you that we see these words here, of warning. That if we aren't careful, we will get the Babylonian drift and we will be led down a path that's that's just leading us away, leading us down a road that supports the beast. Lord, from the book of Genesis all the way to Revelation, we are we are to look and to see the warnings about Babylon. Lord, Babylon is in the air. It's a secular Man-centered culture. And You've told us in Revelation 18.4 to come out of it. Lord, set us apart and make us holy. God, I pray this morning, if there's anybody here that needs to be sealed by the Holy Spirit, that needs to give their life to You, Jesus, I pray they will do so. Never let an opportunity pass so we, don't, we always respond to the Gospel. God, if there's anybody here that needs to make their church home at Broadway, I pray they will do that. Lord, I just pray this invitation is yours. We respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We close every single worship service with an invitation. I'm going to invite everyone to stand. I'll be standing down front. Chris and the band will be leading us in a song for you to respond to the Lord. So let's stand together and sing.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: with us this morning we are thankful that you uh, were here and that uh, you were able to to spend some time with us this week we want to encourage you as you leave uh, that our time of response doesn't end uh, but the spirit is able to call us at any point that he chooses so if you want to know more about what your next step with Jesus might be whether that's salvation and uh, through him or uh, maybe your next steps here at Broadway we would love to talk to you about that anytime you are welcome to to, uh, to come to us with those questions anytime you want to Uh, Don't forget, uh, we are back here this evening at 6 o'clock and be looking at your bulletin and the screens as you come in and go out uh, for all of the announcements and to stay up to date with all that's going on here at Broadway. Let's pray together and then we're going to be dismissed. Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for Uh, the the spirit of worship that was present in this place and for uh, a time of just being able to exalt you and to praise your name. God, we love you. We thank you most of all for Jesus and in his precious name that we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a good afternoon.